gentlemen, please welcome tonight's visitors, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Twenty-eight yards more to set the record. Fires caught, and that should do it. Mike Evans will take it to the 15-yard line. So the record now belongs to both Brady and Breeze. And this pass is caught by Brown. Brown trying to get by Mills. He's out of bounds at the 10-yard line. So the tally right now, counting that pass, kind of a crazy way to, to break a record. From 56. On its way. It is off the goalpost. No good. You can hear the doink. Well, well, there it is. Okay. Can you discuss your interactions with Bill on the field and I guess in the locker room after the game? Yeah. Um, I mean, all those are personal. So we've had a personal relationship and, um, you know, for 20 plus years. So he drafted me here and had a lot of personal conversations that should remain that way and they're very private and I would say so much is made of, of our relationship and um, you know as I said earlier this week you know from a player standpoint you just expect the coach to give you everything he's got and as a I'm sure as a player that's what he was hoping for me but um, nothing's really accurate that I ever see it's all kind of uh, you know definitely doesn't come from my personal feelings or beliefs and I have a lot of respect for him as a coach and obviously a lot of respect for this organization and um, you know all the different people here that try to make it successful. All right about last night. Start us off Michael Holly. Yeah uh, Mike it was just uh, it's just strange. It's strange first of all Still at this point to see Tom Brady in that uniform. I know it's been since March 2020 when Tom Brady said he was going to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you talk about a generation of, of football fans who grew up either who grew up in New England rooting for Tom Brady or nationally got used to seeing Tom Brady number 12. It was Brady. It was Belichick. And that was football. And to see him there in that uniform coming out of the different a different locker room last night and taking on Bill Belichick and the Patriots was just wild to me. And, you know, the game was w what it was. And uh, it, it didn't, nobody really predicted that it would play out like this. It was very sloppy. It lacked drama at times. I mean, the final score and the final moment of the game was dramatic with the 56-yard field goal attempt from Nick Folk that bounced off the upright. But it wasn't this high scoring. It wasn't this beat down. It, it really didn't fulfill anybody's prediction of what it was going to be. But you know what really stood out to me? And this tells you that if you really want to know the story of Tom Brady in New England, don't listen to me, don't listen to anybody else in New England. Just the pictures, the story is told in pictures. At the end of the game, thank you, NBC. I'm not just saying this because it's family, Mike, but I thought that was the smartest decision. The smartest decision last night was to keep the cameras rolling and just to watch Tom Brady stand there it's like a receiving line at a wedding everybody wanted to see the groom and player after player coach after coach came up to Tom Brady and shared a word with him and that was from Devin McCourty to Josh McDaniels 
to Matthew Slater. I mean, these are people he really has strong relationships with. And look, we've debated many times. I'll say this about uh, Tom Brady. We've debated many times about the best player in NFL history. Who's the best player in NFL history? Uh, you say Jerry Rice. I say Tom Brady. Somebody else might say Lawrence Taylor, Walter Payton, Jim Brown, on and on. Nobody's wrong. But I can tell you, I think the best leader in team sports in my lifetime is Tom Brady. Because of moments like that. Let's run that back again. I, I, I hope we got some more of that. Uh, more of that, that video of Tom Brady post game. These are genuine, uh, no, matter, no matter what else happens, hey, Brady should have stayed, Belichick should have given him the contract, he would have been this good with the Patriots, we have that video. Um, no, matter what, no matter what you say there, Tom Brady has such a relationship with everybody he's played with, and it's not just, it's not just the stars, not just the obvious guys like Randy Moss and, and Rodney Harrison and all these guys who are, who are big-time Patriots. There are so many players who say, this guy came in, my first day there, he knew my name, uh, he introduced himself to me, he was just, he was just one of the guys. <laughs> and I know he's an uh, international icon, he's married to an international icon, but he wanted to be one of the guys. So I think if you talk about what the New England Patriots missed, what they missed last year and what they missed to a degree this year. It's not just the quarterbacking of Tom Brady. It's the presence. It's the spirit. If I may be so bold to use that word, it's the spirit of Tom Brady. And so seeing, seeing them last night, that, that era comes to a close officially his last game at Gillette stadium. I'm sure of it. His last game of Gillette at Gillette stadium facing the Patriots. And we got to see what made them so special. You didn't really think they had anything special if you just watch that post-game scene. That says it all. He said it was like a receiving line at a wedding. I imagine for Tom Brady, it was the closest thing to being at your own funeral. Um, you called it strange. I would use another synonym, and I would say it was surreal, but also satisfying. Um, I actually did call this when I had bucks by a field goal, so I would have won some money if I'd have taken the Patriots and the points. Okay. Um, How about that? But I think it was also satisfying because everybody could go home happy. Bill Belichick obviously wasn't happy, and hardcore Patriots fans weren't happy. Their team lost. But I know I went to bed happy, and I went to bed pleased and satisfied because it felt like everybody got what they wanted. Uh, Brady got the win. Um, he got a chance to overcome his former coach, his former teammates, and his own emotions. Um, there's hope in New England, thanks to Mac Jones and his 19 straight completions and the moments that he put forth last night. There's hope for life after Tom Brady. Um, and we got a chance to watch something that um, we've never seen before and maybe never will see again. Some of the platitudes that you... Uh, you gave to Tom Brady. Those aren't reserved for Tom Brady. If you want to make an argument for him as the best leader in your lifetime, that's fine. But there's a lot of great players about whom the same things are said uh, about their relatability, about their ability to tap into uh, everybody in the locker room. Brady did it for longer and maybe better um, and more successfully than most do. But that's the mark of a great player and a great leader to get people to follow him and you get people to follow you 
uh, based on their ability to see themselves in you for the most part. So um, we got a chance to see a celebration of Tom Brady uh, long before his Hall of Fame induction. It was something of an induction. As a matter of fact, Michael, pardon the hyperbole, but I would venture to say that I, I'm, I want to credit Tom Brady with seven and a half Super Bowls. I've never felt anything like I felt last night outside of watching the Super Bowl. Uh, I can only imagine what an emotional wreck he must have been uh, going into that game, playing in that game. He probably felt more pressure for a regular season game than he's ever felt. And this is the guy that's been oblivious to pressure for his entire career, or at least seemingly oblivious to pressure. Um, so I'll, I'll give him seven and a half Super Bowls because last night felt like a Super Bowl. It felt bigger than the hype. It felt bigger than the anticipation. Uh, the moment he jogged onto the field, you know, I got butterflies. Um, and so more than anything, though, uh, in terms of the storylines, in terms of the relationships, we talked a lot about why things ended the way they did. And maybe they just had to end the way that they did in order for them to end. I've quoted, right. uh, I've said this before, that all things end badly, otherwise they wouldn't end. But if they didn't end the way that they did and Brady finished his career in New England and they were a playoff team but never a Super Bowl contender again, maybe that wasn't the way the story was supposed to go. Maybe it was supposed to end right. with, as I've said, him building a new dynasty in Tampa. Maybe it was supposed to end with the Patriots resetting to Mac Jones. And, and as, at 42 years old, I'm learning this a lot. A lot of relationships are seasonal in our lives. Some relationships right. are just right. for a season. They're not meant to last forever. In this case, it, it was 22 seasons. But for Tom Brady, that chapter is closed. That chapter is over. Um, can you hear me okay? Why am yeah. I hearing? Yeah. Okay. It's weird. I'm, I was hearing a... I can hear you. I'll see myself again. Music. Sorry. Okay. All right. No, I'm here myself um, for some strange right. reason. Um, anyway, this relationship was for a season, and that season came to an end. It was for 21 seasons, more specifically. That season came to an end. Uh, it just felt all good. It felt okay. And especially knowing that they had a moment or, or 25 minutes is the case maybe, Belichick and Brady, uh, in the visiting locker room. It felt like we could all go home and, uh, and exhale and say, <sighs> you know, I, I felt good about everything I saw last night. I don't think there were any losers. I think everybody won in some way, shape, or form. I know the Patriots are one in three. I know Patriots fans would disagree. But it just felt like yeah, they're, everybody they're, they're the big losers. should go home <laughs> they are the big feeling losers. good. No, I wouldn't call them big losers because they – acquitted themselves in a way that not many expected against a superior, at least on paper, a superior Buccaneers team. And their quarterback may have had his coming out party. Uh, that was Mac Jones' best game uh, his, in his biggest moment as a pro. So there's a lot to take away from it. Um, and it just felt like it, it's all good. It doesn't have to be drama. It doesn't have to be beef. I would, I would love to have been a fly on the wall as we all would. What do, what do you think was said between Belichick and Brady, when Belichick, no small thing to venture over to the visitor's locker room and pay a visit to Tom Brady after the game. That's not a small thing. And I imagine it, I, I, could, I could see Belichick, I could picture Belichick 
displaying a level of humility that most of us on the outside don't get a chance to see. And I don't right. think there are any regrets on his part, but I imagine him saying to his face, you're the best player I ever coached. Um, everything I've done as, is, as, a, as the head coach of this organization, I could not have done without you. No matter what is written, no matter what is said, no matter what impression I gave off, I appreciate you. I'm happy for you. Maybe even told him, you know yeah. what? And I don't know. I, I have no idea what went into the negotiations and how directly involved or lack thereof, lack of negotiations, how yeah. directly involved Bill Belichick was. But I hope that Bill Belichick would have said something to the effect of, you know what? I, I didn't know you still had it in you all this time. I did not know you could still play like this. But the bottom line is everybody, especially Tom Brady and perhaps the Patriots, everybody is on to bigger and better and we could all be at peace with how and why things ended the way that they did. Well, uh, not all, <laughs> not all at peace, but I understand what you're saying. And I'll come back to that, but I want to go back to something you said about three, uh, three or four minutes ago. You talked about some relationships in, are in your life because they're seasonal relationships. And if people could understand that more, then maybe a lot of, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have some of the issues that they have. And some of the conflicts wouldn't exist and some of the uh, regrets wouldn't be there. You know, some, some obviously, like a marriage, you'd hope, uh, a marriage is there for the long run. But everything is not a marriage. And I know we talk about Belichick and Brady and divorce, but it's not a marriage. Uh, it, it wasn't that. It is a professional relationship that reached its peak. As a matter of fact, probably went beyond what it was supposed to go beyond based on the way Bill Belichick felt at the time about Tom Brady and his long-term future and the way Tom Brady felt about himself. So that's important. I we can go back and forth over, hey, if the Patriots have just should have, if they just would have given him the Drew Brees contract, two years, $50 million, they had guaranteed more money if, 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 if. But the bottom line is, sometimes you need to leave the place you're at, the place you, the, the, where you are. It's not that you hate the people. It's not that the money's not good. It's not that they don't respect you, but for your personal growth and for your personal development, sometimes you've got to leave. And that's really what happened with Tom Brady. He probably didn't think that uh, in the summer of 2019 that it's best for me to leave. He probably thought at that time, I've got to leave because they're not giving me what I want. And but by the time he got to Tampa, to leave by the time he got to in order to leave your circumstances, in order to leave what's familiar, and I'm speaking from experience, a lot of times you have to be made uncomfortable because otherwise you uncomfortable. You, 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 won't, and you won't walk away unless your situation gets shaken up. And there's, and, and sometimes, you, yeah. there's no way of you, because you, you can't see what's better on the other side. Brady certainly, even though he knew the reality, he was in New England. He saw Bledsoe, Seymour, Lawyer Malloy, so, Ty Law, so many players not finish their careers in New England. But he was still New, different he, than he saw his idol Joe Montana not finish his career in San Francisco. He's so different he than him too. that that was a very real possibility that he wouldn't finish his career there. But as time went on, it didn't seem like that was that was really going to go down that way. Not with him. Like he would be the exception, which is why last night was so, so surreal. But once it came down to it, you don't see like, man, and, and Belichick actually, you know, we think he's just saying things and not really saying anything with any meaning behind it or substance behind it. We weren't the best option for Tom Brady. Bingo. 
they weren't the best option for Tom Brady because the Tom Brady we saw in 2019 is not the Tom Brady we saw last year or this year and probably would not have been the Tom Brady we're seeing this year. By the way, Tom Brady, by the way, 2019. Tom Brady, that was that guy last Tom time. Brady, Tom Brady, I've already said I see him challenging for double figure Super Bowls. You know, I got him winning it this year. Um, and I think he can threaten 10. How about 100,000 passing yards? With a 17th game, three more seasons, not even he doesn't even have to sustain the average that he's had over the course of his career. If he just keeps, if he stays healthy and continues performing the way he has just in Tampa, I don't think the 50 thing is a joke. I could see him playing the 48, if not close to 50. I don't see him falling off so much to where he can't continue to be productive. He may threaten, if not touch. 100,000 passing yards and who would have thought I, I watched him last night. I'm like that that guy That guy the skinny kid out of Michigan pick 199 The former fourth stringer would be the all-time passing leader I know Kevin Garnett already trademarked this in Boston But anything is indeed possible for him that guy to be the all-time leader in passing yards. unbelievable story unbelievable story Goes rush four. Jackson with time. Going deep. He's looking at Hollywood Brown at the five. He reaches up and he makes a diving catch. Hollywood Brown. Welcome back to the end zone for a touchdown. It's not victory formation. They go shotgun with Latavius Murray. Get down! Get down! Jackson will keep it on the quarterback sweep. Runs to the left. Gets around the 20. 25. He's got the record. Time has expired. And the Ravens make use of every second on the clock as they beat the Broncos 23 to 7 and they keep the rushing record alive. Yeah, that 100% my call. It's just, you know, that's one of those things that's meaningful, you know, and uh, it's it's one of those things that's I, I think as a head coach you got to be mindful of your team and your players and your coaches and what it means to them. It's it's a very very tough record to accomplish and it's a long-term record. So um, I'm not going to say it's more important than than winning the game for sure, and it's certainly not, but as a head coach, I think you do that for your players and you do that for your coaches and something that. Yeah, I thought it was kind of bull, but I expected it from them. You know, I've 37 years in pro ball. I've never seen anything like that. So, but it was to be expected and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. You know, they, that's just their, you know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. You know, this one hurts. Um, you know, I try to be neutral um, when it comes to rooting interests. I don't I don't have a favorite team. I, I, I root for stories. Mm. Um, I'm not a fan. I stopped being a fan because, you know, I'm old enough to have come into the business when journalists uh, weren't encouraged to be fans or openly rooting for, for their team. So, you know, especially coming into the business at the age that I did, uh, at mm. 21 years old at the Boston Globe and 24, 25 years old at a national network, I wasn't about to be some kind of fan. That, that, that trend started after I came into the business. Having said that, the closest I come to being a fan of an NFL team is the Baltimore Ravens.
uh, I'm mm -hmm. fascinated by their operation, by their scouting and development process, by their draft process. Might have something to do with the fact that I've always gotten along with Steve Bashotti, always gotten along with Ozzie Newsom, always got along with Eric DaCosta, uh, and prior to John Harbaugh, pretty good relationship with Brian Billick as well. So maybe the PR got me into him, or, or maybe it was just a sustained excellence. Or maybe it was all yep, those years of yep, being yep. around Bill Belichick and listening to Bill Belichick express his admiration for the Baltimore Ravens and how, how they conducted their business. So to hear Big Fangio say that's, that's what they're about, uh, I, I expected that. We expected that from them. That's pretty damning and jarring. Mm -hmm. It's also the wackest thing I've seen in a long time. And I, I'm, I'm shocked that John Harbaugh would double down on it. Even today, he said what's meaningful to us not be, might not be meaningful to them. And he talked about the fact that, hey, right. Drew Locke was throwing into the end zone at the end of the game, and there's no such thing as a 16-point as touchdown. So they got an opportunity to tie the 74 through 77 Steelers with 43 consecutive games of 100 rushing yards only because the Broncos turned it over trying to score at the end of the game. But that's no excuse. Okay. Like, number one, like, who the hell even knows that this record exists outside of Baltimore? 43 so straight what? games of 100 yards? Who gives a so damn? What? Number one. They number do. two, if you're, not getting the, if you're not getting it within the flow of the game, it's cheapened. And last but not least, of all teams to be putting players in harm's way, given the injuries that the Ravens have already withstood, given the fact that Lamar Jackson is on the injury report, has been on the injury report for the last several weeks with hip and back and so on and so forth, why would you put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands to match a meaningless record at the end of a game? And this is why I need him to miss me with the taunting stuff that has died down. But you'll recall the taunting conversation from a couple weeks ago. And coaches, I believe John Harbaugh was among them, come out saying, oh, we got to stop this taunting because a fight will break out. Well, what if some Bronco decides that that's Bush League and decides to take a cheap shot at Lamar Jackson or somebody else because you wanted a record that nobody's going to remember? So you mean to tell me the Baltimore Ravens one day going to sit back and say, yeah, son, back in the day, when, back in my day, me and my teammates, we tied the 74 to 77 Steelers with 43 consecutive games of 100 rushing yards. Look it up. Like, come on, man. Really? Was it really worth it? Was the juice worth the squeeze? I think not. Yeah, I think not. It was. You're better than yeah, that. Yeah, look, look. Uh, okay. No, they are. No, don't know. No, that's condescending. Don't, don't, don't tell them that. Don't tell anybody I, that. I, be I that. meant it to be hey. condescending. They hey, are supposed to okay. be better than that. Unless well, no, Vic Fangio are, clearly knows are, differently. They are better they than are that. They are who? Uh, who's Vic Fangio? Don't, I, I, it ain't about him, but, but you brought his name up. So let me tell you, who's Vic Fangio? What, what do people a say competitor. about him? Do people even talk? A competitor. The, the what? Nobody say that about him. He ain't even. Michael, look, nobody look, does this. Hey, nobody does this. No. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One. So Vic, Vic Fangio, Fangio or anybody else? He ain't qualified. He ain't qualified to talk about their their operations. You're not on their level, Vic. You're not on their level. Nobody talks about Vic Fangio the way they talk about John Harbaugh. That's one. But two. But but that's not even one. That's five. That's five or six. I I don't even want to talk about him. 
because he's a side piece. He's a side piece in this whole narrative. If the Baltimore Ravens feel like it is best for their organization, it's best for their players and their coaches. That's what he said. That's what John Harbaugh said. I'm not a fan either. Uh, Ravens, Broncos, doesn't mean anything to me. I do have a lot of respect for the Ravens, though. If John Harbaugh says it's best for my organization and my players and my teammates and, and, and my coaches to get this record, then that's what it's about. It ain't about sitting back and telling somebody, hey, look up that record. We beat the Steelers. It's that's about what he, that's what he said. He said he said but they'll be talking about they'll right have now. this for the rest of their lives. That's what he said. They, these he guys said they'll will. have this for the these rest of their will. lives. That's a quote from Maybe John. Maybe they'll have it. So that's what I'm referencing. Yeah, they'll have it right. They'll have it. They'll have it for the rest of their lives. Meaning, I accomplished this. Now I accomplished something. I may not go uh, around the streets telling everybody, "Hey, I played on the 2021 Ravens and we set a, rec- a rushing record." It's just something that they accomplished, and nobody got hurt. It was a blowout game. See, I can't stand this. Luckily, I can't stand what you just did. What you just did is drives me crazy. What if Lamar Jackson got hurt? What if a Denver Bronco decided that he was going to go on some pioneer justice spree and he's go clock Lamar Jackson? Okay, well that's just being stupid. Okay, don't do. You can't do that in the NFL. Yeah, someone's running with your quarterback at the end of a game. Is that illegal? Is that a penalty? Is that a penalty running at the end of the game? Just because we're used to victory formation, we think, all right, that's the way to do it. They I'm glad you brought that up. Do, they didn't go for the end zone. They ran five yards. They slid. Game's over. In a blowout game, 23-7, to seven, it's over. They got a record. We move on. No harm, no foul. And now John Harbaugh well, fortun- has to, Fortunately, no harm, no foul. Has to answer to Vic Fangio. No Vic Fangio. Fortunately. Okay, here, I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that, because I'm old enough to remember when Greg Schiano was getting a lot of, rightfully so, criticism for having his team attack the ball in victory formation. There's a certain way that things are done and have always been done because there's a right and a wrong way to do things. Come on. When's the last time you've seen somebody yeah. pull something like this up 16? And again, Michael, okay, I will meet you not halfway, but I'll meet you a quarter of the way. If you want this meaningless okay. record, have your franchise quarterback handed off pretty please. Can we, can we like you, you're down as your six. What, how many running backs have they gone through in Baltimore? JK Dobbins was playing in the preseason and tore his ACL when he probably shouldn't have been playing in the final preseason game. So even if you want this record, even if the traditional way of ending a game, you don't Oh, right on time. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Right. Oh, the Bucks were just trying to win the game. Remember? They were just trying to win a game. Somebody, uh, no, nobody was hurt. No harm, no foul. All's well and ends well. Congratulations on your record that nobody knew existed. Right. Great. Yes, got it right. okay, but if but, some, but, but now they do. Lamar Jackson dove into the end zone and hurt his hip. So if you don't put your quarterback at minimum, at minimum, will you at least allow for this? Will you at least at least stipulate on this? At least hand the ball off to somebody. Let them let them get it. But sure. to put Lamar Jackson out there, so so all the Broncos, you want to go at you want to go at Vic Fangio's lack of qualifications. So all the Broncos, all those other professional football players, they don't no. have a right to be pissed. Listen. They don't have a right to they be pissed. Are, hey, hey, 
Everybody's got a right to be pissed, including Vic Fangio, including Vic Fangio. But what I take issue with is Vic Fangio saying, hey, it does. I've been in this business for a long time, and this is what they're known for. First of all, the Baltimore Ravens haven't existed for 37 years. But anyway, I, I think what his real issue is, it's not the record. His real issue is his team lost its first game of the year, down 23 to 7. Teddy Bridgewater knocked out of the game. The, the issue is oh, so he's they a lost. sore loser. So he's a sore loser. You yeah. say you say, yeah, I think that's the issue. You lost the game. Okay. Look, if they had won the game, would he have an issue with it? No, I mean, I think the number one thing is they lost the game if and they, they wanted won to win it. So but I, I, really the Baltimore Ravens. Let me ask you this. Have you heard from all your sources? Have you heard anybody say the Baltimore Ravens do dirty business? They play dirty pool. Have you heard anybody? say No, that's that? what I say. That's that's what I said was jarring to me. That's what I said was that's why I, that okay. was I had never heard so that if you haven't heard about that's what was jarring to me. I've talked to a lot of people, but that doesn't you talk to a lot of people. That doesn't mean it's not Fangio's true. He's been a coach for 37 years. Why do you think he said it then you think it's true or do you think there's another agenda? Do you think he's got something against John Harbaugh? Do you think he's got something against the Ravens organization, which is one of the top five organizations in terms of doing business in the NFL? It's a model organization in a lot of ways. So did he hear something or is he just mad? He just mad. It came against his team. Look, look, this has been going on beyond this, Mike. I know there's a record attached to this, so it's a little different. But this is this happens in a lot of sports. It happens in baseball. It happens in basketball. People take a real issue with how games are closed out when they're losing. They feel like you should do a certain thing when you've got the game in hand. And we've gotten so used to when's it. When's the last time you saw something like Michael's, this? When's the, when's the last time you saw something like this? Baseball. Baseball. Uh, uh, Tony LaRussa criticized no, his own I'm, team. In the NFL. Oh, that, in the this? NFL. When's the last time you saw something like this? In the NFL. Can you think of it? Uh, I really can't. I can't think of this. I can't think of this okay. situation. I'll, I'll answer the question. But rhetorical but I can't question. Think of, I wasn't expecting. I can't you, think of. I wasn't expecting you to come up with an answer because that's what the Elias Sports Bureau is for. Okay. I'll answer my own question for you. You ready? The Elias Sports yes. Bureau could not confirm the last time in the past 25 years that a team gained yards on a play that began in the final five seconds while leading by at least 10 points. Back in 1992, Spencer Tillman ran for one yard with two seconds left with his Houston Oilers led the San Diego Chargers 27 nothing. We've seen people get a, take a take a meaningless shot or get a rebound or assist. We know people stat pad in the NBA all the time to get a triple double, right? Okay. We've seen people take three pointers and it starts fights at the end of blowouts. Okay. We have seen people get a hundred yards rushing or you know, I think Sean Payton did it with the Saints a couple of years ago going get records or or, or contractual uh, thresholds that people get in the final week of the season in order to trigger incentives. Every game doesn't always end with a kneel down. I understand that. But this as I just pointed out to you is practically unprecedented and more than anything given the injuries at this organization which I have lauded just this season and every season has already sustained right. this year specifically to Lamar Jackson. I probably would feel I'd be a little less perturbed if it was a different play call a little less. Okay. I still would think it was Bush League, but I'd be a little less perturbed. Can I'm I, shocked. Can I, can I give you a can I, give you a I, I, I guess I'm shocked, but I don't know why I'm shocked 
that we see this differently. I should not be surprised. Much, I, hey, I'm Vic Fangio. You're John Harbaugh. Fine. I'm not surprised. I expected you to disagree with me. No, actually, I didn't. I'm shocked. I, I was like, ain't no way we're gonna have a we're gonna get we're gonna move past. I told the producers earlier, we're gonna hit this and move it because I'm absolutely sure we see this the same way. Shocked. Okay. Well shocked. Well, look, but I shouldn't look. be. Uh, but I'm sure. You know be. what? I used to well, two things. Two quick things. One, I used to agree with you. I used to agree with you. I used to take issue like I used to take issue with those things. Whether it if it was a sport I was playing poorly or a sport that I was watching, I had a real problem with people just kind of flossing a little bit when the game's over. I mean, essentially, that's what we're talking about. But that's their right. That's the privilege of winning. The privilege of winning is I don't have to do it the way you did it. I don't have to do it At like everybody cost. else. Okay, I don't have that's to. That's fine. That's fine. We're going to, we, don't don't have, we don't have to keep going back and forth on me, that. Vic Fangio. This ain't a sportsmanship conversation. This is a common sense conversation. Respectfully, no, 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 Super no, Bowl no, winning not. coach John Harbaugh. What, what is Vic? No. So Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio is, what's he concerned about? He's no, concerned Michael about Smith. the Ravens I'm injuries? not speaking for Vic Fangio. I'm okay. talking about Michael Smith. But why You're the only man? person talking about Vic Fangio. Okay. You're the only person talking about Vic Fangio. Okay. I'm not here to no, keep up with Vic Fangio. You brought him up. No, I did not. No. I didn't. Yes, you did initially. He put no. I okay. didn't. We played the sound. I didn't bring him up. I said. Did you talk? That did I you took issue him? with it. No, I didn't. I took issue okay. with okay. it mainly right. because it's Lamar Jackson. That's all I'm saying. We don't have to go back and forth on the right or wrong way to do this. I said two things. One, there's a reason why you don't see this happen. Two, it's Lamar Jackson, and any t- he shouldn't even been in the game to get these yards. It's not worth the risk. You the one brought up big fan deals like a qualifications vis-a-vis John Harbaugh. We ain't right. got to go back okay. on back and forth on that. Right. Okay, let me ask you. Let me, let me just tell you. Let me give you a quick confession. I know I hear the music playing. Quick confession. Uh, so I used to feel this way. I don't feel this way anymore. I, I, I believe in the privilege of, of winning. And the other thing is, you know, my cousin, I always mention her, Nikesha Sales, uh, she got a record in a way that some people might consider Bush League. But since his family, and she got the record at UConn, she became the all-time leading scorer, no longer, but came the all-time leading scorer on a torn ACL. They stopped the game. She hobbled out there and got a layup, a free layup to break the record. Look her up, Nikesha Sales. People still talk about it, but you know what? That's my cousin. Leave her alone. Get By the way, just record. FYI. Get your just own FYI. Record. FYI, just to remind you, in case you forgot, Fangio was a Ravens assistant coach from 2006 to 2009, and that included Harbaugh's first two seasons in 08-09. So, again, this isn't a resume thing, but when you ask what does he know, well, he was there. Why do you? So he does have some credibility on how the Ravens organizationally operate. I wonder, might he have been just fact checking? Just fact checking. My, I, okay, look, well, let's continue to fact check. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out. Was he fired? Or did he leave for a better gig? It might, might there be an agenda there? Does it, might is there it be some issue with John okay. Harbaugh? Uh, uh, no, I, Mike, there's a question, Mike. It's a question. Okay, that's, that's what journalists that's... do. Ask questions. Great. And journalists also operate in facts. And I'm telling you, they got a lot of injuries. And Lamar could have been hurt. He wasn't. Thank goodness. That's all. But he was. That's a fact. 
You're putting a player at risk And you could have been a pro Fact. player. You could have been a pro player. I, I could have too, but, I, but I'm not. So let's deal with facts. Right. Gentlemen, please welcome tonight's visitors, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You set the record for all-time passing yardage, and it was kind of an uneventful moment, but the fact that you did it on this field, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's pretty, it's pretty cool. I think it's really, um, nothing in this sport can be accomplished without incredible teammates and coaches and, um, you know, I've just been blessed for 22 years to be with some amazing people and quarterback can't do anything if the guys don't catch the ball. And um, guys did a great job catching for me the last 22 years, all of them, which I hope were uh, felt a little piece of uh, happiness tonight watching that because everybody contributed and I sure as hell can't catch anything. Everyone's seen that drop against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, but uh, I could throw it a little bit and I'm glad I got so many great guys that can catch it. That list is long. Uh, some of those receivers were better than others. A lot of them came and went. Uh, offensive coordinators came and went. Um, systems. I wouldn't say systems came and went. It's mostly the same system with you know different uh, different coaches spin on it. Tweaks, but yeah, more or less the same system. same system. Revisions or yep. what have you. But um, you know. Going back to the conversation about the person, and we saw it last night, um, just in the outpouring. Uh, nobody, nobody has a bad word to say about Tom Brady, um, the man. Uh, no teammate, no coach, no nothing. Nobody has a bad word to say about him. And I think last night was, was really uh, inspiring in a lot of ways. Uh, it's st it is still surreal. It's still weird to see him. Not, not that, it wasn't weird to see him in another uniform because we got used to that. It's weird to see him in another uniform against the Patriots. Um, but him breaking that record last night um, in Gillette Stadium, I mean, you'll talk about poetic, in Gillette Stadium, in front of Drew Brees, um, it was, um, it, it's, it's mind-blowing. A, it's mind-blowing, I mentioned earlier, where he could take it because I do expect him to threaten 100,000 yards. Uh, which I'm old enough to remember Dan Marino breaking Fran Tarkenton's record. <laughs> uh, and look where the record is now. Um, but beyond that, to achieve that kind of longevity is not just a testament to his work ethic, not just a testament to his skill, not just a testament to his leadership, um, but to his, his, pe his people skills, but also again, the person that he is uh, emotionally and mentally, because so many people get burned out um, by this yeah. game. Um, exactly so many right. people wear down physically, so many people wear down emotionally, but for him to still be doing this and still be doing it with the enthusiasm, the level of enthusiasm and commitment that he's doing it with is just incredible. And when you look at the receivers that he's played with for most of his career, most of his career, Obviously, he's had he's been prolific with Gronk as as a primary partner. You know, he had a few great years with Randy Moss, you know, and, and Wes Welker had some great numbers. But for the most part, over the course of his career, has been a revolving door at receiver. Um, so that record is just even more impressive when you think about 
how many Hall of Fame caliber skill position players has he had? Which is, you know, plenty of people have said that. That's, I'm, not, I'm not breaking any new ground here. Um, right, right. But I, I marvel at this record. More, more than his predecessors that have held the record. I marvel at it more for Tom Brady, given how he came in the door, how he kicked in the door, and how he's lasted so long through so much turnover uh, at the skill positions at offensive coordinator. Um, and he's been the one constant uh, institution is thrown around a lot. The dude is an institution. And yeah. I'm telling you, I, I, I'm really happy Look. that things ended in New England. I'm happy for us. because I think it's the better story. I think it's the better story to see him go and author a completely different book, not just a new chapter, but a different book, yeah. a, a different volume in Tampa, as opposed to how we thought it should go, which was continuing his career in New England. Now, I'm, I'm actually happy it worked out this way because it was tremendous theater last night. Yeah, look, Mike, I, I've got a soft spot for, for those in any profession who can just kind of regenerate, who can just find an energy reserve that a lot of people don't have. And so they've been, whatever field they've been in, they've been in for a long time, and they refuse to keep doing the same things over and over. They find new tricks, they find... Uh, new inspirations, new motivations, new enemies in some cases, just to push them to another level. And that's what Tom Brady has done. I talked to a lot of his uh, former teammates who said, I marvel at Tom, not because he can physically do this, but some of them said, I got tired of putting up with Bill. I got tired of him. I got tired of hearing his voice. I got tired of the meetings. I got tired of the grind. I got tired of the expectations, but Tom just eats it up. So that's what, if you talk to his, his former teammates, that's the thing that stands out to them, that this dude was grinding uh, as a six-round pick, fourth quarterback in 2000, and he continues to grind in 2021 with the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The other thing is, yeah, I know a lot of people, I talked about leadership, a lot of people have said, hey, um, okay, yeah, great leaders do connect with people. But when you're a great leader connecting with people who only know you from video games, we had that great montage at the beginning. There are some teammates, Tom Brady's teammates, like Antoine Winfield Jr. and, and, um, and Devin White and some other like, younger guys on the Buccaneers. Uh, Tristan Wirfs. Is that who they drafted? Right? They drafted him? Or was that Cleveland? Anyway. That's the uh, tapper, yeah. But some of these young guys, some of these young guys on the Buccaneers, Hey, Tom Brady is, uh, the, you know, the Met Gala Tom Brady, Giselle Tom Brady, uh, Super Bowl champion, somebody else's life, some other world, not my teammate, but he's able to take away all that noise and say, no, no, when we're here, when we're in this locker room, I'm your quarterback and we're cool. A lot of people can't do that. It's really hard for somebody 40 or, or put, take football out of it. Take football out of it. Let me just say it this way. Sometimes it's hard for somebody 44 to connect with somebody who's 22. Right? He does it. He's, that, that's what he does. That's his gifts. In addition to being able to sling that thing. Yeah, 100,000 is not out of the question. I think double-digit Super Bowls is out of the question because they're not going to win it this year. But 100,000 yards, I can see it. I can see him playing for another three, four years. Why'd you say he looked like 2019 Tom again? Or you just met, it was, it felt like Belichick was just that effective 
Look, they took what was given to them well, and, well, and wait, emphasis no, on take. Like the running game was there. See. They took it and they ran it and he was patient. Okay. And he didn't force it. He was a little off here and there, but I thought it was a testament well, what I'm to the Patriots knowing how to slow him down. There's a there's a local there's a local there's a local meaning to that and there's a national meaning to that. Now I'm not saying you. I'm not talking about you. So don't take offense. All right. But there are a lot of people who did not watch the Patriots. Why would I be offended by that? Well, well, Why would I be offended by based on what, it, what I'm about to say, maybe you you might take offense. I, no, I, I ain't coming. Look, I, I, I'm not close. I, I even though I'm in the next state over. I consider myself yeah. more of a national perspective when it comes to that team. All right, perfect. So you're not offended. So there are a lot of people uh, in, in the national media, particularly who a lot of things attention to the, that uh, doesn't Patriots offend me in Just 2019 FYI. that don't, that doesn't offend <laughs> me. but you're right. I, I, a lot of things do offend me. Not offended by that. Okay. I'm so, glad, thanks I'm for glad you recognize that. I'm glad you recognize that about yourself. All right. So 2019, there are a lot of people in the national media who were paying attention to the Patriots, but not closely. So they thought that Tom Brady had fallen off. Tom Brady did not fall off in 2019. He was very good, especially if you know all the things that he had to deal with. He had, if you knew uh, the weaponry, the offensive line problems, all, all sorts of things behind the scenes that Brady, it was, a, it, was a, it was a miracle that he got that team to 12 wins and in the playoffs. That team, well, pretty much was a 7-9 team that they were last year. So what I'm saying is he had good numbers, but not excellent numbers like 2020, where everything was different in Tampa. Personnel was different, circumstances, play calling. So last night, he so looked just like 2019 the Tom Brady. Good court. Yeah. Oh, oh, good, just good quarterback figuring, figuring missing it out. on some throws. Yeah. Just kind of grinding, grinding. Not, not his, through. not his best night, not his best grinding. Through. Not his All best. Right. Um, all right. Um, the other guy who um, for us all said and done. Well, I don't know if he'll, I, don't, I don't think he'll threaten many of Brady's records, but uh, he's got a lot of records as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, as we go to break, he's been prolific in his own right. Uh, as we go to break, though, I think he tied Marino. Matter of fact, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He tied Marino in touchdown passes with uh, with 420. I passed him yesterday. Um, he had a moment and that's with Mike Tom. Six. Uh, is that six? He, yeah, he, he had a moment with uh, with Mike Tomlin that was pretty damn cool and uh, and pretty damn timely because we talked last week about uh, speculation that our own Charles Ro- our own Yahoo's Charles Robinson, our brother from another, uh, poured some gasoline on with a column last week about maybe the Steelers are Aaron Rodgers' next team. Watching Mike Tomlin make sweet eyes after he called this timeout to stop Aaron Rodgers from catching the Steelers' defense slipping. Looked like there was some unspoken admiration going on there. Like, what's up? What's up? Yeah, okay. What's understood need not be spoken. We'll get into that with Charles Robinson. Now with 19 seconds to go in overtime, it will be Randy Bullock out to try and tie it. And this will be a 49-yard field goal from the right hash. The snap clean, the placement down, the kick on the way. Does it have the distance? It floats left. It's no good! And the Jets win it in overtime. They've got their first win of the season. And their first ever 
for the head coach, Robert Sala, and the rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson. All gas, no brakes, man. Hey, who said we need We need five, right? We need five quarters. Yeah, hell yeah. Appreciate that fight. I've, I've been wanting to do this my whole life, man. I got two game balls. Hey, first of all, I know how much this meant to him, and I know he was quiet the whole week talking about how it's just another, another game. But my man, I don't have stats in front of me. My man balls out. CD, where you at? Yeah. The kid stepped up. The kid stepped up. Where's two? Now, this is the greatest day of my football career. It's so great to see you with this win. And your fat this team never died. I'm just so proud of all of you. But you get it. You just got to understand that you are uh, you're in this position for a reason, um, and there's going to be growing pains. But you know you got to do what you've done your whole life, and you got to be able to you know turn turn the noise off and you know make it like practice and be able to execute and just kind of keep laser sharp fo- laser sharp focus all the way till the end. And I thought the guys did a good job of that. I think if we know anything about the NFL, is what a difference a week makes. As Charles Robinson joins us now, um, this time a week ago. We're wondering, man, it, this this rookie quarterback class, this first round class, uh, is not looking too good. It's brutal, you know. Uh, might might it might be more of a dud than we thought. Only to have Trevor Lawrence have his best game on Thursday night. Uh, we saw just now Zach Wilson look really good against Tennessee, get his first win. Justin Fields looked really good against Detroit. We'll get to Justin Fields in a second. Mac Jones probably had his best game opposite Tom Brady and Trey Lance. Looks like it's about to be his job in San Francisco, thanks to another injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. But specifically, before we get to Fields, what's going on in Chicago, specifically, Charles, want to start in New York. And I know it's an organization that you know quite well uh, with Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, especially watching the way that Sam Darnold had been performing uh, coming into this week in Carolina. Just how significant was it for the Jets to get this win now out of the way for both Zach Wilson as well as the rest of uh, the Jets brass. I mean, it was huge, but it was interesting. I actually had a phone call with someone in the Jets organization this morning. Uh, I had a chance to watch cut-ups on them early, and I, I mentioned this uh, last night on our podcast when we taped it, but I, the, the two throws that he made, the, the touchdown to Corey Davis when Zach Wilson plants his feet at the 40 and hits him in stride mm-hmm. as he crosses the goal line was exquisite, and then he hit a, a boundary route. Him. Yeah, we wa- yeah, he waved him down. Yeah. And and then the boundary route that he threw to Keelan Cole. I mean, it was it was just an unbelievable perfect pass. Probably as as perfect of an arm talent pass and then a touch pass that you could see in terms of just accuracy um this weekend. But I, I had a chance to talk to somebody with the Jets and you know, just basically congratulating them and saying, Hey, you know, hey, it's good that you got something now to build off of. And he said the one thing that, that they had seen in the organization, they had learned about, about Wilson, was he really is unflappable. He's just a total gunner. Like, he does not, all, all of the issues he'd had, the interceptions, I think there was some internal concern, like, is, this, is he going to start to crack under the pressure? Is he going to, mm-hmm. you know, basically just start, start to show that this is getting to him? And he said, realistically, it never, 
It, yeah, right. Well, and realistically, it was it going to start to get to him and do we need to start to worry about it? And it never got to that point. And they were trying to discern, like, is this an act? Is he really like this? And, and this individual said to me, I thought this was really interesting. He said, you know who the kid reminds me of? He said, just in terms of his mentality and just it, he can make a mistake, doesn't even care, just keeps going. He said, Philip Rivers. He said, Philip Rivers was the kind of guy who he talked trash, um, would run his mouth. You know, he, he had fire out on the field. But when you would see him make mistakes, he did not care. He was just going to keep going. Like he was he might get mad about a mistake, but he didn't internalize it to the point where it undermined his game. And I thought that was a pretty interesting kind of comparison. But it's definitely good for the Jets to finally have a game where they have something to build off of, have a game that showed why the kid was the number two pick in the draft. And then I think, frankly, what was just as important as the kid playing well was the defensive front played well and reminded me of this is what you thought you would bring Robert you know, Salah in for. He was, he was going to give you some of that nastiness, particularly up front, that emotion. I think you go back and you watch their defense up front, it's probably the best game they've played under him. You know what, I, uh, Charles, when I, I, I look at teams, Mike, you had a follow-up? You, you had a follow-up? I just, I just looked at you. You wanted to do something. You have a follow-up there? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I was go, I'm, I'm going to get to Fields, but go ahead. If you had a follow-up on, on this subject, I'm going to okay. get to Fields. No, just, just quick. I'm gonna, uh, when, I, when I look at franchises, I always look at vital signs and uh, like the, the core, the core, the, the ownership, but beyond ownership because that's, that's, that can fluctuate sometimes. But general manager, head coach, quarterback, and – and key pieces. When you look at the Jets, just uh, the guts of the Jets, how do you feel about where they are? Salah, Joe Douglas, Zach Wilson, and, and their, their core players. How, how do you analyze them or characterize them? Well, I, I've known Joe Douglas, so you, you go all the way back to when he was in Baltimore. So through multiple organizations, Philly, Chicago, um, and then obviously here with the Jets. And I believe in him as Italian evaluator. Um, there are other people who I really hold a high opinion of in the personnel community, and they all really believe in Joe as a talent evaluator. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's the right kind of general manager that you, you need to have. And um, I don't think he's necessarily at any point embarrassed himself. He takes a hard line in negotiations, and I know that doesn't always play well in the agent community. I know in the media there are times he's been um, criticized for it, but I also understand with general managers – there are some who negotiate like that. They have a number. They're going to stick to it. This is just how they're going to build. Um, as far as, you know, Robert, Robert Sala goes, I, I've been very impressed with him. And I've only had a few interactions with him. Always been extremely impressed with him. I thought he would have been the right um, hire for the Detroit Lions. That didn't happen. I think they're worse for it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see with Wilson. I don't, I don't like um, the mentality that a lot of us have, and I get it. I mean, it's the business we're in, but now we've gotten to the point where we literally want to study week by week what is happening with a young quarterback and then make some kind of overarching opinion about it. Last week, we hated Justin Fields. Now we're like, oh, maybe Justin Fields is okay again. As Mike said, talking about well, the entire not. rookie. <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, so, you know, we're, we're let's, let's let it unfold a little bit and, and go a season and see how all these, particularly once they're all starting, consistently they're all getting first rep practices let's see how they adjust and and move forward with this before we start to i don't want to put a stamp of approval on zach wilson other than to say i that arm talent is so ridiculously evident when you see some of the throws that he makes you can understand why teams fall in love with him. last time we had john i mentioned the the scene from dear white people about the potential space and 
if you don't if you didn't publish the website nobody could criticize it nobody could meet about it it was perfect right we talked about this with Justin Fields and and Matt Nagy once the reality of him playing and looking awful against Cleveland everybody came from Matt Nagy and his game plan or lack thereof so he so Fields goes out balls out against Detroit and yet here's Matt Nagy today saying when Andy Dalton is healthy he's our starter sticking by, sticking to that Justin Fields is the two I don't think it's cute. It's not funny. It's not cool anymore at this point. I, what the hell is Matt Nagy doing or thinking that it's why is it in his mind best to potentially put Justin Fields back on the bench despite his obvious progression or is he just going to like is, is Andy Dalton just not going to be healthy anytime soon? What's, what's he doing here? Well, I think first off, he's only got a two game sample size. Okay, so you have you have the Cleveland Browns, which people better start waking up. Okay, particularly with the front end of Cleveland's defense. Go watch. They didn't have they did not have a good game offensively at all against the Minnesota Vikings. Watch what the front end of that defense did without Miles Garrett getting four and a half sacks this week. Watch what they did to the Minnesota Vikings. They destroyed the Vikings up front almost every single play of that game. And that that's why I think when you measure fields, you don't, it's hard to measure him in that situation. And then against Detroit, which frankly, I don't think Detroit's a good team at all. I don't, I think the Detroit lions are, are a hammer lock top five pick in, in the next draft. And I, I think this is a team that mm -hmm. can potentially get worse as the season goes on. So I don't know that you can look at one game and say, wow, he struggled so much and, and he just wasn't ready. And man, that was terrible. And then look at another game and say, well, geez, Remember, and I don't, I don't think he, what, he throw 18 passes? He didn't even throw 20 passes in this game. Um, you're going to expose him as a passer far more than that sample size. So I, I am trying to be as generous as possible with Matt Nagy, which I know a lot of people are not, and say he is trying to keep it dialed in and choose what is going to ultimately be the right spot for the handoff to occur the rest of the season. I don't yeah. think Andy Dalton is going to be the starter when the season ends. I think Mac Nagy is trying right. to keep the door open. Because remember, once you start the kid, people always forget this. And they have to listen to me right now. Once you start a rookie quarterback, you cannot bench him later. That is so damaging well, that, in the well, process of Well, that's my point. But he's, he's starting right, right now. He's trying... It's different. I know. It's different. It's different. 100%. No, same page. Like, Andy Dalton cannot lose his job to injury. So this isn't he's named the starter. This is he had right. to start because Andy's hurt. So I get that. What it feels like more than anything, and I know we got to move on, is walking in two worlds. And the Patriots are doing it. You're developing a quarterback and trying to win games. Matt Nagy's like, the best chance to win in my mind is Andy Dalton. The rest of the world feels like develop Justin Fields. Uh, Jacksonville doesn't have that problem. They're under development, under construction in general. Uh, Urban Meyer <laughs> uh, was trending on Twitter for all the wrong reasons over the weekend. Um, seen out after the Thursday night game uh, in Ohio, hanging, macking, hanging, chilling, bumping and grinding, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's not his wife. She was at home babysitting, as she let us know. Uh, here's... Urban Meyer today uh, on his apology to his team. Can you explain the viral video uh, from your place over the weekend? Yeah, I, uh, I just apologize to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction. Just stupid. Uh, 
and so I explained everything that happened and owned it and, you know, just stupid, uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. Irvin, did you, did you fly back with the team or did you stay in, uh, No, I stayed to see the grandkids and we all went to dinner that night at, uh, the restaurant and then there's a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did and, and they were trying to pull me out on a dance floor screwing around and I should have left. How did the team react? Well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just like, gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself because I've seen this happen. And, uh, and I just – so the team, the team uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one-on-one, -on -one, spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They were focused on Tennessee and – I apologized again for being a distraction, and uh, a coach should not be a distraction. What how, about your, how about your family? Did you also did you feel a need to apologize to your family? Yeah, yeah of course I did. Yeah, that's not me, and that's uh, uh, oh yeah, they're upset. Have you talked to Shad Khan about it, and what was that conversation like? I did talk to Shad, and uh, um, very supportive and. Uh, Trent, I talked to him obviously at length uh, right when I got that phone call that night uh, the ne next night. Hey, no judgment. Uh, Charles, uh, no judgment here. <laughs> yeah. So, Charles, I, are, are we making a big deal about this? Is he over-apologizing, handling it the right way? I'm just curious about the way you see this thing. He looks like a guy's really enjoying himself, yeah? <laughs> this NFL thing's been really enjoyable for him so far. He leads the league in press conferences staring at his feet. Um, look, I, I, uh, here, here's my take on this. Um, he didn't, there was no violation of the personal conduct policy in that video, okay? No. There might have been a violation of a marital conduct policy that he has with his wife, okay? He, <laughs> That's between him and the missus. That's that. That's and between him and the misses. <laughs> right, right. There's, there's two things that I think um, are important here for Urban Meyer moving forward, okay? Number one, are you embarrassing ownership, okay? Like, are you making the owners look like fools because you've had so many different things pop up so far? The strength and conditioning coach hire that had to be rescinded. Um, USC, Travis Etienne, um, uh, getting fined. Uh, for for the contact contact in the off season, um, and then now this, which you know, comes after a game where you should have exited feeling good about yourself. So if if it gets to the point where I think it starts to breach embarrassment and you're losing games and you're you're essentially you're on the roll that you're on now, about to lose 20 straight um, or potentially about to lose 20 straight. Um, that's that's when your job comes into question, okay? But I will say this. Urban's relationship to a shoulder-length blonde is important here. It's Trevor Lawrence, okay? That's the shoulder-length blonde that everybody well should done. be yeah. concentrating on well right now because I'm well going to tell you right now, the way you whitewash everything that's happened up until this point in the season, and it's been chaos. It's been a mess. It's been every bit as messy as anywhere else Urban Meyer's ever been. You whitewash that by having a quarterback who is the most valuable entity in the history of this franchise 
realizing that potential and developing into what you thought he was going to be. If Trevor Lawrence does that, if he gets on that yep. track by the end of the season, people are going to feel less up in arms about this. I mean, they might laugh and, and Urban Meyer might right. get the, the sharp end of the stick in, in terms of just kind of looking foolish, but it's all going to be about right. Trevor Lawrence. When, when, Mike, when people like Michael say he's a college coach, this is not what they have in mind. Uh, last thing before we let you go, you wrote about the Cowboys and that unstoppable running game and Ezekiel Elliott looking like 2018 and, and previously uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, they can do whatever they want on offense and they got a complimentary opportunistic defense led by Trayvon Diggs. Real quick before we let you go because uh, we got to hit this break uh, and, uh, and Michael, I love your answer too. Who's the biggest threat to the Bucks, if not the class of the conference? Is it the undefeated Cardinals or is it the Dallas Cowboys? Much as I love Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, I may lean toward the Cowboys given the balance they have on offense, Charles. I would say that the people better wake up on the Cowboys because now that they've, they've figured out that they can flex Micah Parsons into a pass rushing role and he can be extremely effective. Now that um, Trevon Diggs looks like a lockdown, like number one uh, eraser kind of cornerback, and by the way, Demarcus Lawrence has not stepped back into that. He, look, he broke his ankle. He's going to be back in a couple of months. And Randy Gregory, by the way, flashed against the Carolina Panthers. If Randy Gregory can keep himself on the field, that defensive balance is massive. And what I ended up writing about with Zeke was he signs this $90 million contract extension. Everyone's questioning. Even I got to a point last season where I'm like, whoa, is this a massive mistake? If he can play the way that he did against the Carolina Panthers, and even Matt Rule came out afterward and said, we stacked the box like we did everything we could to stop this guy Can't and it was it couldn't do anything with it and that changed they people tried to ask him about Dak and he kept talking about Zeke um if this is that Ezekiel Elliott with the tight ends functioning with the wide receiver depth with that offensive line healthy and oh by the way Dak Can't Prescott is a Dak Prescott is a five, top five quarterback right now in the NFL no argument here appreciate you Charles thank you so much brother all right thanks for having me guys We want to be the best, um, and we want to win, and we want to, we want to win late in the year, and we want to go play in the last game uh, out in California. And so we got to continue to build on this culture week in and week out. Um, no matter what situation we are in the game, we've got to lock arms and uh, just, just trust our brotherhood and everything and all the commitment we've have, had up to this point and uh, continue to grow and continue to get better. Listen, I mean, I know coming into the season, you know, I – I told this this was going to be the season that people had to reevaluate their top five uh, and make room for Dak Prescott. I know you get to five quickly. There's a lot of great quarterbacks. That's right. Um, That's right. But that was it. I, I thought he announced that he was that dude after the opener in the loss to the Buccaneers and all he's done since yeah. then is build on it. Now, one could say if we want to nitpick and say, well, you know, they should have lost to the Chargers. But for Mike McCarthy or some other factors, okay, okay. You can, we can do it. We can play that game. Philadelphia doesn't look like they're a good team, and Carolina benefited. But you only play who in front of you. They benefited from a relatively easy schedule. But Carolina's legit. That defense is legit. I'm sorry, but the issue with the Cowboys, man, is it's like not, not what do you stop, but what do you slow down? And if their defense right, is right, playing yeah. complementary football and allowing them. Uh, and playing off of an offense that can keep up, if not blow past anybody and give them a lead, yo, 
Man, are they the best team in the NFC? I know, I know, uh, I know Arizona's undefeated, and Kyler Murray looks like the you know leader in the MVP poll for whatever it's worth at this early stage. Arizona's legit, but if I got to pick the most impressive team in the NFC at this moment, right now, it's Dallas, easily for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love Dallas, and I, and obviously I love Dak. I heard Charles Robinson say he's a top five quarterback. You're right. The top five does evaporate very quickly. You start throwing some names out there. You're like, oh man, that was five already. Now I'm at eight. I'm at 10. But I agree with him. He's 10. He, he's pushing it. He's pushing that top five door. Uh, I think the third team, excuse me, the fourth team on this list is the best team in the NFC at three and one, the Green Bay Packers. I think it's interesting. Uh, conversation for another day. I think it's interesting yet. You ain't said a word about the LA Rams and Matt Stafford. Just it's funny. It's funny, but I, I'm moving on. I, I'm I don't want to I don't want to hover there. I didn't say I never but said they were going we undefeated. I never said they were going right. undefeated. I know. Yeah, and I didn't say Stafford was gonna be great every week. You didn't either. say that. But I tell you what you sure did have that in case you missed it ready for Doc Johnson and myself last week when Matthew Stafford was rolling himself in game three. Roll it in game three. You got okay. you got Gary's number call Gary just like I do and tell him what you want. You can roll roll all, roll all my misses back, but I, I remember no, I don't want to do that. I was there when I, I don't said it. Do that. I get you know it. why I don't no, want to do that. Of course you don't because if we rolled all your misses, we'd be here all day. So you should you probably shouldn't. I we probably should. It's not about misses. It's not about misses. It's about celebrating. It's about celebrating the victories before before the, the leaves drop, before the leaves turn colors. You know what I mean? Like, come on. So Stafford, like so, wait, so Stafford not allowed to have a bad game? October 4th. So it's he got to go undefeated in saying, order to get I respect. Your, no, your whole thing. I've told you about Matt Stafford. I don't know. Matt Stafford's had great statistical seasons before. But when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, I do think that they're an excellent team. They're going to be hard to stop offensively. The reason I'm stopping short of saying they're the best team in the NFC is a coach. I think their biggest weakness is a head coach. Probably the defensive coordinator. Probably. Their defensive coordinator is great. I like Dan Quinn. I like what he's been able to do and he's been able to unlock some guys. Uh, Mike McCarthy is suspect. But Dak Prescott. That's a nice way of putting it. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that he never seems to it? And another press conference is everything. And, and you know, lots of people interview well, but don't play well. He happens to do both. Plays very well, interviews well, but have you noticed in his interviews, he never seems to hesitate. He never seems to doubt himself. He says these things as if they will happen. He just, it, he is able to infuse, he's that kind of leader who's able to kind of infuse confidence into crevices and areas where usually we just kind of look past these things and say, okay, no, 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 that's not going to happen. That's dead. I gave up on that. That's not going to happen. But Dak Prescott comes into the room. You feel like there's life in the room. In addition to mm -hmm. his his work on the field, he just has a way of you know. You notice that, Mike? The brother just got a way about. No, it. for sure, for sure. Just, just to make um, you believe that opposite, things are possible. So yeah, I'm I'm a big Cowboys so, fan. I'm, I'm really in on the Cowboys. On the subject of uh, coaches, um, difference making coaches. Shout out to Andy Reid. Um, First coach with a hundred wins with two franchises. Okay. 
That's great. We've seen team, we've seen coaches win. I believe coaches have won Super Bowls with two franchises, um, or no mm-hmm. quarterbacks have. Um, but um, 100 wins with two franchises uh, is unprecedented. A coach has won a Super Bowl with two franchises, right? Am I right about that? I don't. I, off the top of my head, I think somebody has. Maybe not. I, I can't think of one. Maybe Andy Reid was trying to become. Am I, yeah, I don't know. Somebody? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I right? So. Nope. I don't. I know about, quarterbacks have. I don't want to get derailed with that. I, I want to. Don Shula do it. I just want to ask you this. Did Shula do it? No, he didn't. Okay. No, I want to. I want to. I want to just get okay. this before we go. We got. We got, we're running out of time. The Bills have okay. two shutouts in the last three weeks. Okay. Um, the Chiefs got right against Andy Reid's Eagles. Um, best team in the AFC. And they and they look they, they face off Sunday night. We I don't think we can talk enough about that game Sunday night rematch of the AFC title game right now. If you had to pick one you like the bills in that defense or you like are you sticking with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs bills bills yeah. Wow and, and last year I'll say quickly last year. They looked overwhelmed. They lost their composure in Kansas City in an AFC championship game. They weren't ready for the moment. I think they've learned their lesson. They're better. They're All right. better now. We'll this pick this is, up this tomorrow. We'll continue this tomorrow. Playoff MLB playoffs start tomorrow. And we didn't even get into college football, which is really Yeah, we got a lot. Georgia, Alabama, and everybody else.